0: Welcome to WTBU News Today, I'm James Paley, Local polos. Boston has been getting chillier lately. Temperatures Friday are expected to reach a high of 49 degrees, with the rest of the weekend staying in the low 50s with some clouds and rain in the mix. Now we'll move into the Boston University COVID-19 dashboard update. On Wednesday, November 11th, 12 members of the Boston University community tested positive for COVID-19. Nine of them were students and three of them were employees. For the week of November 5th to November 11th, 0.19% of tested students were deemed positive for the coronavirus, with 0.05% of tested faculty and 0.37% of tested staff also receiving positive test results. On average, BU's lab took 17.2 hours to process each test. 66 students are currently in isolation and 181 students have recovered from the disease. Balala Kajioka is here now to report on how Boston University is addressing students who may be traveling over Thanksgiving break.
1: Boston University has made changes to its rules for traveling over Thanksgiving break. Now any student who leaves the BU bubble and returns after the break is required to isolate themselves until they have three negative COVID-19 results. This applies to all travel, even within Massachusetts. BU encourages students to stay put during Thanksgiving whether it be staying home or on campus. The change is a response to the rising COVID-19 cases on campus and throughout the country. There were 15 new cases at BU on November 10, which has been the highest number of cases yet. Between November 4 and 10, 49 students and 19 faculty members tested positive for COVID-19. BU Vice President Gloria Walters and Director of BU Student Health Services Judy Platt believe that smaller indoor get-togethers are one of the causes for the increased spread. Walters and Platt said in their weekly COVID-19 report that many off-campus students are not getting tested as frequently as they should. Though no students have been hospitalized for COVID-19, many students have reported long-lasting symptoms, like loss of taste and smell, and fatigue. In Boston, Massachusetts, this is Ulala Kajiuka from WTBU News.
0: Joining us now is Alex Corey with updates on the latest COVID-19 info from the Massachusetts Department of Public Health.
2: New health data issued by the Massachusetts Department of Public Health on Thursday puts 30 communities in the state in the red zone for COVID-19 cases. This means that these cities and towns are at higher risk of contracting the virus than anywhere else in the state. For this week alone, 14 new communities were added to the red zone. Last week, Governor Baker and his administration announced improvements were being made to the metrics used to track the town-by-town COVID health data. Part of the new improvements to map out include new color-coded distinctions based off of individual cities and town demographics. Also this week, 115 communities were designated as being yellow zones, which means they are not as at a high risk as red towns, but are still being monitored closely for their higher than ideal infection rates. Last week, 92 communities were considered at moderate risk. In Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Alex Quarry for WTBU News.
0: Now we'll head over to Hannah Yoshinaga for a story on how some Republican members of Congress believe President-elect Joe Biden should be getting intelligence briefings, even as the current president takes issue with the election results.
3: Senate Republicans on Thursday stated that President-elect Joe Biden should be able to receive high-level classified intelligence briefings, despite the Trump administration's continued refusal to concede the election. James Langford a Republican senator from Oklahoma who was on the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, said he would intervene on Friday if the Trump administration did not start including Biden in the president's daily briefings. Langford said that if Biden is officially confirmed as president, he would need the information shared in the briefings in order to successfully transition into office. Members of the Senate Intelligence Committee and Homeland Security Committee, including Republican Senator John Cornyn of Texas and Republican Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, echoed Langford's sentiments. While Biden has begun naming members of his administration and outlining other plans for when he enters office, he still has not been declared the winner of the election by Emily Murphy, the head of the General Services Administration. Without GSA confirmation, Biden will continue to be blocked from receiving materials and information needed to complete the transition process, although the president-elect has insisted that he will still be prepared to assume office in January. In Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Hannah Yoshinaga for WTVU News.
0: Speaking of President-Elect Joe Biden, next is a story from Lily Kepner on the President-Elect's pick for his next Chief of Staff.
4: Ronald A. Klain will serve as the White House Chief of Staff for the Biden administration, President-Elect Joe Biden announced Wednesday evening. In the statement, Biden said Klain's extensive experience and ability to unite people made him the perfect candidate in this time of crisis and division. Klein, a lawyer, Democratic operative, and longtime senior advisor to Democratic White House officials served as Biden's chief of staff when Biden was vice president. The chief of staff, also known as the assistant to the president, does not need a Senate confirmation. Their responsibilities include overseeing daily activities of the White House and the president's schedule and working behind the scenes to manage disputes. Klein has been outspokenly critical of President Donald Trump, particularly for his handling of the coronavirus pandemic. He has been viewed as a likely candidate for Biden's chief of staff for a while. Plain has worked for Biden since the late 1980s, when Biden was a senator for Delaware. Biden is expected to introduce his cabinet selections around Thanksgiving, according to officials close to him. In Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Lily Kepner for WTBU News.
0: Finally, a story from Victoria Popovska on several arrests made in Belgium involving a far-right group from Denmark.
4: Belgian officials announced Thursday that five Danish far-right activists have been arrested and ordered out of the country over suspected plans of burning a Quran in a mainly Muslim area of Brussels. The five people are associates of the Danish far-right politician Rasmus Paludan, who was expelled from France on Wednesday after planning a similar stunt to burn a Quran in Paris. Danish Secretary of State for Asylum, Sami Mahdi, called the five men a serious threat to public order. The men were questioned by police and had, then had their case forwarded to the public prosecutor's office. All of them had to leave the country quickly and will have to stay out of the country for a year. In Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Victoria Popovska for WTBU
0: News. That's it for this edition of WTBU News Today. Be sure to tune in to our full program every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time over on WTBU Radio. On behalf of Grace Ferguson, Alex Corey, Anna Yoshinaga, Stella Lawrence, and Gabriela Lopez, I'm James Pellio Logopolos reporting from Maguam, Massachusetts for WTBU News.